2: That's what I
3: always say. You always follow yeah, the money.
2: Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN.
4: First Bet wants you to get in and all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code VEGAS1000 and receive $10 instantly and up to a $1,000 bonus. Visit vsincom slash horses for details and make sure that you use the promo code VEGAS1000. Let's get uh, the perspective from a Super Bowl winning coach, Matt. As uh, Dick Vermeil joins the program now, of course, won a Super Bowl with the the Rams twenty plus years ago, and he joins the program now. Coach, thanks so much for the time today. How you doing?
2: I'm doing fine, thank you. Yep.
4: Yeah, you you bet you bet. I'm sure, like this week specifically, with the Rams now back and playing for a Super Bowl, like all of those memories from the greatest show on turf and the year that you guys won it. I mean, that's probably something that you've been thinking about now for like eight nine days. No question.
2: Yeah, no question. It's going to be a hell of a football game, regardless of what everybody says. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of thinking the Rams are going to win, but I'm not always right, and that's why they play the game.
4: Now, is that because you are a former coach with the Rams, or you just think that with McVay, Stafford, this defense, they're just too talented and have too much for the Bengals to overcome?
2: Well, I thought that last week, okay, (laughs) when they beat the Chiefs. And I thought the Chiefs were the best team. If they played them four times, uh, they the Chiefs would beat them three times. But, but the only time you get to play is game day in this series. So uh, I don't know. But I still think the Rams overall, when you study all the numbers, they are the better team.
1: What do you think went wrong with the Chiefs? Or what do you think uh, has gone right for the Bengals here, for them to land in the Super Bowl and upset the uh, Chiefs in KC last week?
2: Well, I think it's glaring to everybody, especially if you coached at any time in your career that they lost momentum and, and gave the momentum to the Bengals and failure right before the half Uh to come out with not, that was a huge boost emotionally, uh, to build a collective momentum going into the locker room, with the entire team coaches and everybody, they had to go in there fired up believing, Hey, we just took their best shots. Now let's come out there and beat them. And, and it's it just the opposite with the chiefs. They go in discouraged a little bit overconfident having been scoring so easily. Oh, what the heck? We'll get it back here in the second half, but they couldn't get their motor running again. And uh, all the credit goes to Cincinnati. And I'm sure Andy Reid would say the same thing.
1: Yeah. It's a great way to describe it. I, I couldn't uh, have said it better. I was thinking the same thing with that game headed to half. I said the Bengals are going to take this thing down to the wire. I have a feeling that was a huge mistake by the Chiefs right before the half. How about, uh, I know Mitch wants to ask you about the quarterbacks as well. <clears throat> what do you see in Joe Burrow, yeah. and did you see it in college at LSU to make you know that he was going to be one of the uh, future stars of uh, the QB position in the NFL?
2: I really believe and I've said this publicly and I'm no authority on it anymore, but I thought he was the most accurate passer I've ever seen come out of college. Okay. And uh, I just, I couldn't believe how accurate. Now, you know, a lot of quarterbacks have high percentage completion ratios, but the receivers do a great job of making the quarterback look a little better. They catch the high one, the low one, the one that's two out in front of them, the one behind them. but Earl throws a, a much higher percentage of balls, two feet in front of the numbers. They just reach and catch it. And uh, and that's why he led the NFL in with 70% complete. That's why he's either one or, either one or two in yards per pass attempt and yards per completion. He can throw the football.
4: And how about the guy that he's going against in Matthew Stafford? And let's go back to the day that the Rams made the trade and they sent Jared Goff to the Lions and got Matthew Stafford in return, and now this is a team coach that obviously made the Super Bowl with Jared Goff uh, you know, a couple of years ago before they lost to the Patriots in that game and couldn't do anything offensively. Like, What was your reaction when you found out the news that they were actually going to move Goff and get Stafford uh, as their quarterback?
2: Well, my first re- reaction was there's got to be something about Goff that I don't know. Only coaches coaching him would know. Otherwise, why would you trade the number one, number one, and a kid that's already taking to the Super Bowl? So, and when they got Stafford, I said, you know, this guy has never had the supporting cast to really display how good he really is. And I thought from that standpoint, it was great, you know, and that there's a lot of different ways to build a football team. And they did it by trading high picks and, and those kinds of things. You know, George Allen did the same thing and took the Rams to the Super Bowl in 1973. Now they lost to Miami, but he did the same thing. He didn't like draft choices. He liked experienced players that could play and hopefully this is going to pay off for the Rams.
4: All right, so in terms of the point spread and the total, the Rams are laying four and a half, total around 48 and a half for the game. As a guy who coached in the league for many, many years, and we've talked about this several times on this network, Coach, like, did you ever pay attention to the point spread? Did you ever use it as motivation to your players?
2: I use it as a motivation when I was coaching UCLA against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, I think we were between 16 and 18-point underdog because they had beaten us soundly in the regular season. And I, I used it as motivation at that time. Uh, in the NFL, I really didn't. Uh, first off, I didn't know what, I didn't want to know what the point spread was because I didn't want to know we were going to lose the game before we played it. You know, I was that <laughs> scary to pick up the conference. How could you do a good job walking in the – a Meeting room with your team and say, guys, we're, we're minus five this weekend. Holy macro, we better stay home. You know, I wouldn't, I just stayed away from that. But I I also know uh, now as a fan, the last 15, 16 years, it's scary how close and accurate it can be.
1: <laughs> Why was that number so big? I know that Ohio State team, I think that was 1975, that Ohio State team was undefeated and ranked number one. Uh, yeah. And and you guys actually pulled off the outright upset in that game, right?
2: Yes, we did. Yeah. It was the one of the biggest thrills in my entire coaching career. Yeah. You know, you can win a lot of games as a coach as part of a team, but when you beat somebody that's better than you are, that's when you really gave gain the satisfaction and the respect for your organization, your coaches and your players. My God. Yeah. I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget walking off the field. I will never forget Woody Hayes walking across the field with seconds to go in the game and giving me a hug and saying, great job of coaching young man. That's exactly what he said. Turn around and walk back across the field. You know?
1: Can it be an advantage sometime to have that underdog mentality? Like the Bengals are going to have in this game. Like, uh, UCLA had against Ohio State in that Rose Bowl.
2: Yeah, yeah. I use that uh, in 1980 a little bit when we went to the Super Bowl. I I, I, I talked to our kids uh, uh, often about never allow anyone to take you for granted. Never allow anyone to take you for granted. You know, and uh, just I, I use that. We ended up winning the game, and losing the Super Bowl. I probably should have said it again in the Super Bowl. But Is that safe?
4: 40s I coach that day. Right. It worked. It worked for you. So should have been something uh, you, you went to more often. Uh, so you, you like the Rams. What do you think the score is going to be on Sunday?
2: Oh, I'm not a predictor of score. Okay. But I, I think both teams will be in the – I think the Rams could be in the 30s. I really do. Maybe they won't be, but I think they could be in the 30s. Uh, you know, it's going to come down to the team that doesn't turn the ball over or the team that takes the ball away. It's going to come down to a team that doesn't get a great play call back because of holding or doesn't commit a bad error by uh, holding downfield, pass interference, and the ball moves 50 yards inside of the five-yard line or a bad call by the official. I'd like the game to be (laughs) that close. If the game does separate, I think the Rams will be the team that separates it.
1: You know, you said something there. I had to follow up on that. Do you think the NFL's got an officiating problem? It's a, it's a totally different game the way it's officiated from when you were a coach.
2: Well, they give them a lot more to call, okay? Uh-huh. And the offenses are so much more sophisticated, you know, than they were in the in the 80s. It's like comparing a 1980 Cadillac with a 2021 Cadillac. And they might be about the same size, but they're all bigger, faster, and more technology and the uh NFL offenses and defenses are equivalent to that, but I, 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 you know, it's just, they give them so many things to call. But the thing I think when you get into these big games, they call less, you get away with a little more. And I've, I've witnessed that in my own mind, watching uh, the playoff games, the great playoff games, best I've ever seen the last few weeks. I've seen things that would have been called in a normal game that weren't called in the playoff game because an official doesn't want to be, the guy that decides who wins the game, you
4: know? Yeah, you would hope not. It's followed the money here on Vsin the sports betting network, yep. Dick Vermeule, our guest, you know, uh, it's not very often where an athlete or a coach has a movie made about them or you're featured as a prominent role in that movie. I don't know how many times it's possibly happened twice. And that's exactly what has happened with you over the years. Invincible back in the mid two thousands featuring Mark Wahlberg, but Greg Kinnear paid, played Dick Vermeule. And then this past year, American Underdog, the story about Kurt Warner and the Rams, you were played by Dennis Quaid. Who played Dick Vermeule better?
2: (laughs) I think they probably both did a better Vermeule than I do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. sort of funny to see that. What I appreciated about the American Underdog and Dennis Quaid and the writers and director, they actually used some conversation that I had with Kurt. I can remember like it was yesterday, saying to Kurt, You know, there's something I really like about you, and I can't wait to find out what it is. Well, they used that statement in the movie. To me, that added credibility to their thinking and putting the movie together. I've seen the movie three times. I've hosted it in California. I've hosted it in downtown Philadelphia, and I've hosted it in Canton, Ohio. And each time I saw it, I liked it better. It's a great story, far more than just about football. It's about a human life struggle, perseverance, a relationship, yeah. and, you know, just, it's just a wholesome story that people will be watching and buying the DVDs for their kids a long time, and any age group will enjoy it.
4: Yeah, very cool, very cool. You were a great coach in your time, and I must admit that I think you make some uh, great wines. I've sampled several several of your vintages, co- uh, Coach. Uh, thanks so much for the time today. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. We appreciate it.
2: Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
4: Yep. I've been to his tasting room <laughs> in Calistoga, California. Awesome.
1: Very good. I didn't know you were a wine drinker.
4: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I used to live 40 minutes away from wine country. Mm-hmm. And so when that's the case and you make several trips there for the food and you try yeah. some wine,
1: you're like, okay, this is growing on me now. I was up there in wine country for uh, Oakland Raiders training camp up in Napa. Oh, what a- and uh, never had a sip of wine while I was up there. You got to dive in at I'm some point. I'm a whiskey point. guy, not a wine guy. I like them both. Yeah.
4: Um, wine country. What, what a spot. of. Oh, it's just... So much to do up there. And so it's beautiful, awesome food, great wines, obviously. Up next, uh, in Pocket Plays, what we're betting today in this week coming up.
1: To determine the winner of any given college basketball
2: game. Someone gives you 10000 to one on anything. You take it. Take it. Take it. I'll
4: bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. Nope. Five to one. Nope. Ten to one. You're up. Right. In pocket plays our bets that we have uh, for this week in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> MVP bets I've made so far. I do have Aaron Donald 25 to one. I'm looking behind me right now on the board here at Circa. They have him at 13 to one right now.
1: Yeah, I think he got a pretty good number there, but he's a popular play by a lot of people, and that uh, the number down to around 15 to one on most books. Yeah,
4: would not have played it at 10, 12, 13 to one. 25 was the best I could find. Um, I already have full regret about Joe Mixon. I'm on Von Miller at 15, 60. And I also did, I bet Evan McPherson right away at 150 to 1. Again, because of the number. <laughs> now, you have a note yeah. here on McPherson
1: about a book here in town? Well, I talked with uh, Jay Cornegate, the VP at the Westgate Superbook, and he said uh, they opened Evan McPherson at 200 to 1 to be Super Bowl MVP. At the lower him 100 to 1, they took 32 tickets. They wrote 32 tickets on McPherson to be MVP. At 200? At 200 and 100. Okay. I have 32 tickets on him at those two numbers. And uh, keep in mind, kickers are 0 for 55 in Super Bowl <laughs> MVP voting. They've never never won the award. Uh, but McPherson's getting a lot of run because he's had such a good uh, season for the Bengals. And uh, you think, well, if he kicks the game winner, let's take a shot at triple digit odds. Somebody came into the Westgate Superbook on Monday and wanted $5,000 on McPherson at 80 to 1 odds. Wow. Yeah. So, there's there's a lot of people out there who like the idea of a kicker possibly being Super Bowl MVP. Well, let me ask you this: If the game goes like the Bengals Titans game went,
4: and they win a low scoring game where it's 19-16, and he boots four field goals, Mm -hmm. and he's you know, and it's like there's a 51 yarder, a 47, you know, whatever else sprinkled in there,
1: he'll have a shot to win it. Yeah, my my scenario here was. my official score projection for this game ended up uh, Rams 24, Bengals 22. But <clears throat> let's say McPherson kicks five field goals and the Bengals have one touchdown. They get, they get the 22 points and they win the game 22-21 to 21 or 22-20. Does he get the MVP or does Joe Burrow get it if he threw the one TD pass? Let's say McPherson's got 15 of the points wow. on five field goals and Burrow's got the one TD pass. You think there's going to be a little bit of a debate, controversy, which way uh, that MVP should go? Well, if they win the game and he kicks the game winner and he has five field goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a crazy scenario that you just laid but Wata, out. But... But Burrow throws for 320 yards with a TD pass. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll give you this.
4: <clears throat> uh, what was it? Two years ago? When they gave it to Patrick Mahomes over Williams from Kansas City, sure, that was the laziest cop-out ever by voters. I don't know. How, and I, they, they're up against a deadline. I think they have to, like, submit their MVP vote. with But at what point was pa- Patrick Mahomes the MVP of that game?
1: You know, Mahomes, actually, the play of the game was the, the jump ball he threw up to Tyreek Hill yeah. on third and long. Yep. You remember that? If, yep. if the Chiefs don't connect on that pass, I'm not sure they win the game. They probably don't win the game. And that was not necessarily a great play by Mahomes. It was a great play by Tyreek Hill. It was, yep. It was a you know, pretty good play by Mahomes, but Tyreek Hill made it happen. And, uh, yeah, I, don't, I did not think he should have been the MVP of that one. Of course, Tom Brady won MVP in a couple Super Bowls when it probably should have gone to somebody else. No touchdown in the first quarter. is <clears throat> 250.
4: I like the Bengals to have more time of possession. That was plus 110. I actually did notice the book moved it back to plus 120. I might bet it again. Uh, At least one scoreless quarter. Smaller bet here. Plus 360. Uh, Joe Burrow INT. I got minus 130. I think this correlates to what Frank B was talking about Mm -hmm. an hour ago. Expecting volume here. A lot of passes. Rams defense is very good. Um, They're going to have plenty of chance to pick one off. I did go Joe Burrow over two and a half rushing attempts. Longest field goal by the Bengals. Laid $1.20 with that. Uh, And the golf that I have this weekend among my bets. Uh, I like Keith Mitchell. I know he's a popular bet so far. You um, know,
1: based on your Keith Mitchell recommendations, somebody else I know liked him. Uh, I did play him at Circa last night. Not a big bet, but uh, I found him at Circa, I think, 77 to 1. Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff, uh, Indy Jeff Seeley liked uh, Harris English. And he was an 88 to 1 at Circa last night. Yeah. Played a little bit on that. Yeah, I bet Harris English as well per Indy Jeff. Did you play Keith Mitchell on the
4: Outrights? What about? So, so right away on Monday morning, I found a hundred to one. Good number. So I, I yeah. bet him there, um, but I like the top five at seventeen to one, and I like the top ten mm-hmm. at nine to one. I also look, I fell for it last night, and I don't have this in pocket, but I did put, take a bet. And y- you feel free to throw something at me right now. But at Cirque, I think Jeff Davis likes to toy with mm-hmm. us sometimes. Because he put Ricky Fowler at 99 to one last night, and I, I put a bet on Ricky Fowler, and I didn't go nuts and put a big bet on it, but I put you know a bet. On, and then minutes later, I look again, he's like 105 to one. I'm like I, that. I think he saw that you know I bet it, and he's like, uh, screw you, Mitch, he has no chance. It's a small bet, but I'm gonna raise it to 105 to one now anyway. I
1: think Jeff Davis might do that sometimes. <laughs> I think he does too. I think he's done that a couple times when I put in a bet on a golf long shot, and I look a half hour later, and the guy I just bet at 100 to one's now 125 to one. Yeah. And another guy did bet yeah. last night. He's in pretty good form right now. Played well last week at Pebble.
4: Just on the number, they have Pep Perez here at 160 to one. Yeah. It's that's a great number. I mean, he'll probably finish 32nd, whatever. But I had to take a little on 160 to one.
1: Okay, uh, last night in college hoops, one and two. I thought I was headed for what might be a three and zero night. Looked like it. Uh, Utah State catching one and a half, blew a lead, lost by two in overtime. Illinois up at the half. Blown out last night by 16 at plus 6. Wisconsin did get the wire-to-wire win as a dog in East Lansing. I got one play tonight. It's a home dog in the Big 12. I don't love this play. I like it a little bit. Uh, This is all I could find on the card overnight. I took 3.5 at BetMGM. That's the best number in the market. I'll I'll put it up plus 3 for in pocket because if you don't have BetMGM, that's the best number you can get right now. Uh, but the Sooners are 3-7 and seven in the Big 12. I, I think this is kind of a circle of the wagons game mm. uh, for them because they got a ranked opponent coming in. They're trying to salvage what's uh, quickly becoming a lost season. I love the coach, Porter Moser. Uh, and uh, Tanner Groves, a 6-10 transfer from Eastern Washington, is having a pretty good season. Actually, I think you know, the Sooners match up okay. they got four guys that can score. And they're catching uh, Texas Tech here. In a, a decent scheduling spot because the Red Raiders are playing back-to-back road games. They just beat West Virginia in uh, Morgantown over the weekend. But that was a, a Mountaineers team that did not have Taz Sherman in that game. And I thought uh, West Virginia should have won it. Tech um, has lost at Kansas State. Has not been a great road team. I'm going to go with the home dog here and play uh, Oklahoma. I bet at three and a half. We'll call it Oklahoma plus three uh, for the... Phoenix Open. We just talked to Johnny Avello, who's down there in Scottsdale mm-hmm. for the tournament. Jordan Spieth. uh, I think now you can find it 25 to 1. Scotty Scheffler at 25 to 1. We talked about these in depth yesterday, so I won't say too much about these plays. But Sam Burns at 35 to 1. I went ahead and bet your Keith Mitchell last night. Harris English as well. Based on Jeff's recommendation, I did throw in a little bit on Hideki Matsuyama. Oh, you did? Yeah, 18-1. He won for me in Honolulu, and uh, he's got a good track record here. Yeah, he does. I think uh, he, I decided he was worth a shot. we might as well have about 50 bets in action this weekend. Well, why not? What the hell? Yep. Uh, Rams, score or punt first. We're going punt minus 110. We're getting into Super Bowl props here. Bengals, score or punt first. Punt minus 140. Team to make the longest field goal. You and I have the same play. Bengals minus 120. That's Evan McPherson. A two-point conversion attempt, yes, at plus 100. Uh, We got some Joe Burrow props as well. Incompletions over 11.5. That's the same play that Frank Betty had when he joined us uh, during the show today and talked about his Super Bowl props. Burrow over 11.5 incompletions, over 36.5 pass attempts, over 11.5 on rushing yards, over 2.5 rush attempts. I got him over 276.5 passing yards. I played him uh, Joe Burrow to be MVP at plus 250. There's a lot of Joe Burrow plays. Yeah, it. right. And uh, Bengals goes plus 4.5 for a small bet. And uh, I've got some more Super Bowl props to come later in the week, but okay. I've got about 10 in pocket so far. How many will you have by the time the game kicks off? About 20? No, I'll have, I have 30 already, I think. Oh, you have 30 now? Yeah, uh, probably 30. I have to count
4: in Pocket, brought to you by Bet, uh, bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Check out their daily specials posted after noon Eastern at the website, which is BetRivers.com. A uh, quick question going back to Texas Tech. I think Mike Palm has been saying that uh, a good bet on this team would be at around $6 or I think maybe plus six seventy five to make the Final Four. Do you think they are a Final Four-worthy
1: team? Well, the issue with that is we don't know what to draw, what the bracket's going to look like. I always say it's tough to make those bets and it's tough to make bold predictions like that until you see what the tournament bracket is. Right. You know, if you put Duke in a, in a bracket or you put Texas Tech in a bracket with Duke and uh, Arizona, no, not gonna happen. <laughs> right. You give me sixteen to one, I wouldn't take it. Uh, I think Texas Tech is one of those twenty teams that could reach the Final Four. And I don't think there's much separating team number one from team number 20. I don't think so either. So, yeah, I think Tech tech could be a Final Four team, but I always like to see the bracket and uh, the potential matchups. Up next, this is going to be a blast. Joe Burrow's coach at LSU at Orgeron on the
4: program. Uh, What would have to happen for him to bet against Joe Burrow? We'll ask him that question coming up next.
2: the sports betting network
1: if you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams bet rivers as you covered bet rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective city casts in chicago denver detroit la new york philly Pittsburgh and now Washington, DC. Check out my guy Will Hill on the New York City Cast. Does a great job. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcast. Time to welcome on Coach Ed Orgeron. I know Mitch, you're looking forward to this. Coach O, thanks for jumping on with us today. I assume you're a Popeyes chicken guy.
5: I love Popeyes. Yes, I do. Hey, Louisiana born and bred. Uh can't wait to eat it. You know, uh, I was telling you guys a little bit early, you know, sometimes when I, I, I arrive at the airport in New Orleans and I'm going to Baton Rouge, I'm going to get me two large red beans and rice, six biscuits, large
1: mac and cheese, and eight pieces of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that's a
4: big order for a big guy. Wait, wait. So so, so you, you land in New Orleans, you stop at Popeyes, that's your order when you're going to Baton How long is that drive from New Orleans to Baton Rouge?
5: An hour hour trip, there's nothing but bones and biscuits going out the window, man.
4: (laughs) Jeez. Okay, well, as long as we're on the subject of this and food, uh, and I love Cajun food, uh, no doubt that you do as well. What's the most Cajun thing that you've ever eaten?
5: You know, uh, my father used to cook uh, fried calf brains in the morning for breakfast over age. (laughs) That's, 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 That's about the most Cajun thing I've eaten. Oh. in the morning for breakfast but you know what we had we had Dumbo's, we had fricasades, we had roux, uh, we had crawfish everywhere you can eat crab everywhere you can eat it. I was raised in a great family that knew how to cook Cajun food. in fact I'm getting my mother to come on over and teach me how to cook all those Cajun ref- recipes because she don't want to put it in the cookbook. Every time I ask her I say mom, you gotta teach me how to cook this they shall. You got to put some like a little bit like this, and taste it. Then put a little bit more. Put a little pinch. Yeah, that's their Mama, you got to write this stuff down, man.
4: <laughs> she doesn't want her secrets revealed. I guess. Uh, did no. you uh, have you ever had mud bugs? Yeah, all the time. I mean, we crawfish all the time. Yeah, that, that's that's nothing. That, that,
5: that, that that's that's like that's like a regular meal.
4: Okay, so mud bugs—that's just a code word for crawfish.
5: Yeah, that's that's crawfish. That's, okay. That's, uh, that's, that's a regular bill. Okay. Yeah, that's,
4: that's what is your preferred heat level when you go to a restaurant or whatever and they say, sir, how hot would you like it, 1 to 10? What do you What do you say?
5: Oh, you know what? you, 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 you think I'd be 10, but I'm, I'm around 7 8. Uh, I, I, I try to keep it like that at 7 or 8. Uh, too much heartburn at
4: 10. Yeah, that, <laughs> 7 or 8 is very respectable. Yeah, no right. question. Yeah. Um, right. uh, when, when did you recognize that Joe Burrow was just different than playing the position of quarterback?
5: You know, I I, I never met Joe. Um, comes on a recruiting visit. He didn't want to talk to me. I never had a recruit that want to talk to me. <laughs> he said, Coach, stay away from me. I don't want to hear none of your recruiting game. I know you can recruit. He said, I just want to talk football. And besides, and besides that, he just wanted to eat crawfish. And then we had a football meeting, and I said this – Several times, but it's so important. At a football meet, George Munoz made a cut up of the plays he had run at Ohio State, the plays we were going to run, and I asked him to go over it. And it took me about five minutes to realize there were six of us in the room, including his father, including Steve Esmega, including Jerry Sullivan, who had been in the NFL for a long time, George Munoz, and myself, that Joe Burrow was the smartest guy in the room, including all of us. And he was the smartest football player I'd ever met. See his grit. See his work ethic. On a consistent basis for two years,
1: he never wavered, and he got better every day. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because he wanted to go to Nebraska, right? That's where his dad played, his brothers played, and uh, Nebraska did not want him. So did you get a little bit lucky landing Joe Burrow? How'd that play out?
5: Really lucky. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Really lucky. Uh, and that's what I needed. I mean, we had a an okay year the year before he was on LSU. They want you to win the championship every year. And uh, I didn't know who our quarterback was going to be. And, uh, you know, we, we had a spring uh, we had a spring game, and my son, who was at Mackenzie State, was watching our spring game on TV. And he called me, and he said, Dad, you need a quarterback. I said, no, no. <laughs> he said, I was watching Ohio State's spring game. The, the, the young man named Joe Burrow is transferred. I didn't even know who Joe Burrow was. So I had Bill Bush on my staff who had been at Ohio State and went and asked him. And this is exactly what he told me. He says, Coach, if we get Joe Burrow here with the talent we had, because we had some receivers, we had some running backs, and, and you guys saw it. If we get Joe Burrow here, we go into the college football playoffs. I said, let's get him here. <laughs> 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 and you know what? And we got him. And, you know what? and, and, and it really helped for us to have Joe for two years. He, he didn't start off on fire. Now, now we wasn't running the spread offense, yep. and, uh, and but he, he, he developed. Joe Joe has, has a good arm, not 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 a, not, not a rocket. Uh, I've had quarterbacks with, with better arms, but his intangibles and his, his ability to know where to go with the football and his toughness is something I've never seen.
4: Well, he also, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks will cave when the pressure is on. This kid, I mean, there's a reason why everybody's calling him the no the new Joe Cool. Why is it that he's able to shine whenever the pressure's on?
5: He's got it, man. He wants it. he wants the big stage. Bring it. He, he, you ain't gonna rattle him. You ain't gonna get to him. I, I couldn't get to him. I couldn't get to him as a recruiter. Come on. I, I mean he he just he, just, he has a, he has a plan. His mind is set. But his intelligence factor, his work ethic, and his confidence. Enables him to do that now. When you when you see they blindsided him, and he was laying on laying on the ground, I was calling for the second team quarterback. I called timeout, and I'm calling for a targeted penalty. And I, and he hears me say, "Get Miles Brennan ready." <laughs> he says, "F that," <laughs> 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 and we are now fourteen you see how was kicking our the early morning game. We got fourteen nothing. We went ahead and scored the next three series. That lay. That made that made
1: the team and everybody know what Joe Burrow's made of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember the game. I think it's the greatest uh I think it's the greatest season any quarterback's had in the history of oh. college football. Sixty touchdowns, six interceptions. You guys went undefeated and averaged forty points a game. Just a remarkable uh season. Uh Coach O, you're an offensive line guy. Let's say, let's say you know a lot about line play. Do you think the Rams' defensive line, the Bengals' offensive line is going to be the key matchup in this game like, like a lot of people think what's Joe Burrow got to do to lead the Bengals to a win behind that offensive line?
5: Hey, think about this. I'm not even coaching in the game. I'm just coming as a spectator. I went to bed thinking about that number 99, that number 40, how we going to block them last night. Uh-huh. And I woke up You know, and i not, you know. I love line players. you know, protection is going to be key. I thought San Francisco did a good job of slowing down their rush. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we had trouble with Tennessee. We had trouble with Big Jeffrey, Big Jeffrey Simmons. I think that uh, I, I know that they're going to have to have some different things in their game plan to slow down their rush. Now, whether that's screens, whether that's running the ball outside, whether that's quick throws, whatever it may be. We, have, we better have a plan, because that rush is
4: going to be coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that said, there's no way you're you're betting against Joe Burrow and the Bengals in this game. Like, you're picking them to win the game, correct? Oh, sure. I'm okay. Sure me, but it ain't going to be easy,
5: I'll tell you that. No,
4: I know. Let me ask you this. Having said what you said the entire interview so far about Joe Burrow and what you think of this kid, what would it take for you to be forced to bet against Joe Burrow Any circumstance held hostage, you will not do it.
5: Well, what say that again?
4: Held hostage, you still wouldn't do it.
5: No, I wouldn't do that. That's my boy, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, Joe, Joe, Joe won us national championship. Joe is that they can go down one of the top players in LSU history and what he does for us and what I've seen every day. And even though if I felt like I should better guess, if I wouldn't, <laughs>
4: uh, I'm uh, small, too. listen, coach, we could talk to you for three okay. hours on this show someday. We have like a minute left. You also were the D-line coach in Miami back in the late 80s, early 90s. So you coach and helped recruit Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Uh, Who's the the cooler customer, The Rock or Joe Burrow?
5: Well, they're different. You know, Dewey was the name. Dwayne, Dwayne, I gave him the nickname Dewey. I think his family gave him the nickname Dewey. He's a nice guy. I mean, you know, Dwayne came to me, just smiled every day, was a good team player, was good to have around, Uh, and – was just a great guy. Dwayne's a gentleman. And I really loved having him around. And uh, they're different. Uh, They're they're different than that. But you know what? I'm really uh, pleased to see what Dwayne is doing. Uh, He he found a niche for himself. He's great. I think he's great for America. He is truly, truly a great person from head to toe. So is
4: Joe. Both of them are different. Very cool. Uh, love talking talking to you today, Coach. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Right, go Bengals. I was going to say.
1: <laughs> right? Right, go Tigers.
4: I was actually going to ask. Yeah, because like, the whole thing about Go Tigers, like, what's going to be the mantra today? Is it go, go Joe or is it Go Bengals? And then you have to ask the guy. All right. He's That's, awesome. Uh, that guy's awesome.
1: That was a great appearance by Coach yeah
4: <laughs> That was an A+. Sal Palantonio, ESPN. He likes to fire. We'll get into some player props coming up next
0: If you dare.
2: Follow the money on v the sports betting network.
4: Getting ready to watch the big game. We want to make sure VSIN is a part of your plans on championship weekend. We're going to have 56 hours of free video coverage on the website, which is vsin.com, leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action right here on vsin.com. Sal Palantonio, of course, is covering the Super Bowl for ESPN, and he is kind enough to take a few minutes to join us here. On a Wednesday morning, Sal, it's good to talk to you. How are you today?
6: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing
4: really well. Mitch Moss and Matt Eumanns here along uh, with you. Uh, so we just talked to Joe Burrow's coach at LSU, at Orgeron, and he basically said under no circumstance would he ever bet against Joe Burrow, but you would expect him to say something like that. You're covering the Bengals this week and dealing with Joe Burrow are you kind of getting that sense? Of like, look, I mean, we're calling him Joe Cool now for a reason. Like, betting against him is kind of a dangerous proposition at this point.
6: It certainly is. I mean, he was a serious underdog against the Chiefs of the AFC Championship game. I think the line went up to, what, eight and a half at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they came back from eight, 18 points down in that game. Uh, they came back in, against Tennessee on the road, came back against Kansas City on the road. Uh, you know they've been in three one score games in the postseason, and I do believe the line is four and a half. The Bengals are getting four and a half, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I mean i w- I would be hard pressed to uh, <laughs> to give up four and a half points. I really would.
1: Yeah, I hear you, and uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, too, if you think about the last six NFL playoff games. Five decided by exactly three points, and the other one in overtime, and uh, that was the Chiefs' six-point victory over the Bills. I I saw your interview with uh, Zach Taylor, and he said, uh, quote, my message was simple, we're here for a reason, this is not a fluke, we are not underdogs, it's the last test of the season, and we belong here. So his message to the team is we're not Underdogs? Do you do you feel like the Bengals are not just happy to be here, that they expect to uh, to win this game? Because uh, they're kind of here a year early, don't you think, Sal? I mean, a little bit ahead of schedule. Nobody expected this to be a Super Bowl team at this point.
6: Totally correct. I mean, you're 14 months out from major knee constru- reconstructive surgery for Joe Burrow. Let's start with that. Uh, and you're playing with a rookie wide receiver, Jamar Chase, who couldn't catch the ball in preseason and really got his game together rather quickly, and now is the most explosive wide receiver, uh, rookie wide receiver that we've seen in a long, long time, and they have a special connection, and you can't cover him one-on-one. The Ravens found that out the hard way week seven. A lot of teams have found out. Chiefs found that out. That's why Spagnuolo bracketed him in that game, and Burrow found T. Higgins. I mean, the team is designed to adapt, and the quarterback is very good at that that's why spagnolo equated burrow to tom brady right before the playoff game he said this guy's a lot like tom brady for a reason and i asked zach taylor why about that early on a couple weeks ago and he said sal it's because when we're in trouble he knows how to get us out of trouble one and two he's very effortless in the way he leads. He, he doesn't put on any kind of show at all. The players naturally gravitate towards him, you know, and that reminds me of Brady, but also another Joe, and that would be Joe Montana. Uh-huh. I covered a lot of Montana. I never covered Namath. I grew up, uh, you know, as every kid on long Island, I've got, I grew up with a poster, Joe Namath on my bedroom wall. So, uh-huh. um, and, so, you know, in, in many respects, Burrow has a natural innate ability to, a, a, lead, and B, get the team out of trouble. You remember the great Bill Parcells aphorism, which was, what's your quarterback supposed to do? One, he's supposed to get your first downs, and two, he's supposed to get you in the end zone. That's it. That's the job description. And Burrow's got it.
4: Yep, that's for sure. Follow the money here on and the Sports Betting Network. Sal Palantonio, our guest, covering the Super Bowl and the Bengals for ESPN all week in Los Angeles. Okay, so if you think the four and a half points uh, is maybe too many here to be laying with the Rams, and the Bengals do keep it close, uh, Joe Mixon going into this game, Sal, has been, look, he looked, and I had him in fantasy leagues this year and whatever, betting some player props over time, but it looks like he's almost worn down a little bit. Like, is Burrow going to get, and his rushing prop, I think, is 62 and a half for this game. Do you think Mixon is a is a is a factor here running the ball against the stout Rams defense, or do you think it comes on the heels of like Burrow in the passing game the entire time?
6: Well, you can't you can run on the Rams defense if you have an offensive line that can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the way the Niners run on the Rams is they just beat them up physically at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. That's not the way this Bengals offensive line is built. You're not going to expect guys like Williams or Prince to blow people off the football. So, so what you're seeing is Joe Mixon uh, at this point of the season, having to, you know, make yards after contact at the first and the second level. Now, you know, again, against the chiefs, he closed it out pretty good though. He's been pretty strong for four quarters. Um, is he going to have that breakaway? No, he's not. So I, I, I kind of, what is it? 62. I mean, I, 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 would say probably under on that one
7: mm-hmm. in,
6: in this football game, uh, because you know, listen, there, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking at the Rams and I see two major problems for the Bengals, two major problems. one is OBJ. And, and the other is their defensive line. You just got to look at their two big stars right now. Three really Donald Miller and OBJ. And I'm not even mentioning cup cups going to get his numbers cups going to get in the end zone, but OBJ has been the total difference maker. Uh, when he's targeted more than five times, the Rams are five and one in his 11 games. Stafford has targeted OBJ by play number five in the last 11 games. Why does he do that? Well, you know, Sean McVay's a pretty smart dude. He figures, I got to get this young man's head in the game early. Uh, He realizes that OBJ is now second fiddle to cup. So I got to make sure he gets the ball early. And that has really worked out. So in the last 11 games, Stafford has targeted OBJ by play number five. He's 10 of 11 in those targets for 106 yards. So, oh, I don't know what the the Bengals are going to do defensively on OBJ and cup, but they're going to have to make sure one, they don't let a free release off the line of scrimmage. The thing about both cup and OBJ is they've got great lateral movement, which allows them to beat the jam and short area bursts which allows them to beat the jam. And that's why McVeigh went out and got him. And that is why you know, I think that Stafford is playing much, much better than he has earlier on in the season. So that's problem. Number one, great I don't numbers. know what they're going to do. Yeah. Great numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Great numbers. Um, I think the problem number two is Miller and, and Donald and Floyd. I mean, all you got to do, you know, I'm a host of the matchup show with Greg Cosell. You guys love Greg Cosell. We all do. He's a godfather on our show. Mm-hmm. And that point, you look at Jonah Williams. I don't see him blocking anybody effectively one-on-one. Mm. You got to give him help. I think they're going to line up Miller over Williams at the left tackle spot. And they're just going to try to wear him out. And uh, you know because they can't leave Donald one on one, you gotta you gotta give Donald help. You gotta give somebody help on Donald. And Miller Miller will be a major factor in this football game. He he's already been a major factor on this team this year, uh, but he'll be a major factor in this game. I was really interested listening to Aaron Donald and Von Miller this week talk about how Miller has implored. Donald to be more vocal. And you saw that in the fourth quarter against the Niners where on the sideline. He was like, Hey, the time is now I want this ring. And he got in everybody's face and really lit them up. That was one of the greatest pieces of video on that Fox broadcast. And Aaron Andrews, God bless her, did a great job of, you know, basically reporting exactly what Donald said, word for word. in that defensive huddle, that impromptu defensive huddle on the sideline that I thought was really the game changer.
1: Yep. Last defensive player to win Super Bowl MVP was Von Miller. Hey, we got about fifteen seconds left. You think there's a path, a realistic oh. path, for Evan McPherson to be the first kicker to win Super Bowl MVP?
6: No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not really. You, you, you get, you get, the way you phrased the question, my brother, realistic. Uh, I would say you know the, the odds of that are, are slim. I, you know, I think, t- to me, in this game, that the, the Super Bowl MVP will be one of two players. You ready? Yep. This is what my—one will either be Joe Burrow or Odell Beckham Jr. Okay,
4: okay. wow, all right. You're expecting a huge game from uh, Odell Beckham. Sal, thanks so much for the time today. Enjoy the game. Thank you very much for having me. There you go, Sal Tony. But he was all over Beckham. That entire appearance. OBJ. Yeah, he does. Yeah.
3: Take the, v- take the, v-
0: take the. V-